our family, we have a lot of feelings. Huh. What are you wearing? No, no, no. Back upstairs. Ah! It's just the way she feels. We believe feelings should be celebrated. They're not something to be suppressed. Honey, are we going to have dinner or... Oh, honey, I asked for red onions and not white. So if you don't feel like listening, I don't feel like making dinner. But really, when you think about it, your feelings are the truest version of yourself. We as a family believe you should always act on those feelings. Your feelings will never lead you astray. Right? Your feelings will never lead you astray. Right, right. Welcome to Southridge. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. All right. Fantastic. Good to see each and every one of you here. We're kicking off a new series entitled Emotions. Some of us have them. Some of us are like, no, I'm stone cold. No emotion. Ice water. No, no, we all have emotions. God's given them to us. And some of us, we are in control of them. And sometimes our emotions are in control of us. And so what we're going to learn throughout this series is how to let our emotions pass through us without destroying us or affecting us in a negative way. Where we make poor decisions, poor choices, or do Things that others would look back and think, wow, I can't believe you just did that. And it's too hard nowadays to just fall for the emotions because it seems like today we are overwhelmed, we're overworked, we're stressed out, we're depressed, we're overwhelmed by all the things that are coming our way. And you turn on the news and it doesn't make it any better, does it? It just kind of seems like turn on the news and you felt worse. I was looking on our CDC website. That's our, our, uh, our nation's like health website. And on that website, I found 1,916 articles about a zombie apocalypse. Like if you didn't have more to worry about, now you got a zombie apocalypse that they have done all, your tax dollars at work that they did that research about a zombie apocalypse. One more thing on your list to worry about. It seems to me that we are weighed down by our worries, aren't we? We're weighed down by them. We carry them into our week. We go about our work week. And it's not so much the fact that we have um, new worries. It's the fact that we just have the everyday normal life worries. You say, what do you mean? Where, hey, the, the things didn't go how we had planned at work and we got laid off. Uh, something happened to our child and they got in a fight at school. They didn't get a good grade or somebody's bullying them. Or it's something where uh, something happened. Somebody's sick or we got in a car accident. That's just normal life stuff. But then sometimes there's even more. There's traumatic stuff. There's stuff you didn't plan on. There's things that are bigger. There are things that happen where you weren't planning on the doctor's report that said you might have this life-threatening disease or you have this other other thing that you're dealing with. And so we combat all of this and we can feel so overwhelmed by it. It can almost destroy us. And so we're going to look at a character by the name of Daniel. Now, Daniel, for some, if you grew up in the church, he's very familiar because we know of Daniel and he went to the lion's den and Daniel came out and he was fine. And Daniel had three friends and, and they were trying to worship God and they got thrown into a pit that was full of fire where they were supposed to burn to death and they didn't. And that's Daniel. And so some of us know about Daniel, but what we miss is the the fact that Daniel was taken from his home. 
He was taken from his home and he was charted off across, carted off 900 miles away to what is Babylon. And Babylon is in modern day Baghdad, Iraq. That's where it is. And if you go to Baghdad, Iraq, you can still see remnants from the Babylonian Empire. You can still see it there today. And so that's where Daniel was taken. And so Daniel in chapter 1, we meet him. And Daniel's having what we would call a very, very, very bad day. You say, what do you mean? He gets up on a normal day, and he looks out the city walls of uh, Jerusalem, and there's an army camped around his city. You see, back then, what you would do is you had a large enough army, you would surround the city so they couldn't get food, they couldn't get water, and then you would starve them out. you just wait. And so that would happen to the city of Jerusalem. This army, the Babylonian army, surrounded the city walls, and they just waited till they starved out. And so finally, they raised the white flag, and the Babylonian army would come in. And what their practice would do was they would kill all the nobility. They would kill anybody that could lead an insurrection. And so they would come into the city, and they would, they would, they would execute these people. Now, Daniel was noble birth. He was part of the royal class, and, but he was younger. So they, what they would do with Daniel is they would take the children and they would try to indoctrinate them into Babylonian culture. And then they would most likely kill their parents. So Daniel wakes up on a day. His city's surrounded. They, they run out of food, run out of water. So they surrender. The enemy comes in. And more than likely, scholars tell us that Daniel lost his parents. He lost his friends. He lost his freedom. He's a slave. He gets carted off 900 miles to Babylon. And then on top of that, they, uh, they scholars believe, made him a eunuch. And you say, well, what's that? Well, if you want an in-depth description of what that is, you can talk to our pastor, Wes, on the way out. He will give you an in-depth description of what becoming a eunuch is. He'd be glad to explain that to you. And so you could just say that Daniel's had a really bad day. And he comes to the city of Babylon and he gets there and we pick up the story and let's just pick it up in verse number six. Okay. We've been doing verses one through seven, but let's just kind of shorten it. Let me go to verse number six. It says, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But I love this. They changed their names in verse 7, but you go to verse 8, it says, but Daniel. It's like, thank you for my new name. I don't care for it. I'm going back to Daniel. I love that. This guy is stone cold. He's savage. That's what he is. He's just like, man, I'm going into it. So in, in verse number eight, it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. And verse number nine says, Now God had caused the officials to show favor and compassion to Daniel. I recently read a book this week, and it was written by the author of Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl Sandberg wrote her first book entitled Lean In, and she wrote a second book recently entitled Option B. Now, Option B is based on a tragedy she experienced in her life. You see, on May 1st, 2015, she was on a weekend getaway in Mexico with her husband, and she had gone down to a party, and she came back thinking that maybe her husband was there. He was not there. She went back to the room. He was not there. All of a sudden, they went to the gym where she had last heard he was going to go, and she she found her husband had died of cardiac arrhythmia. And she had to go home to Silicon Valley. She had to tell her 11-year-old and her 8-year-old that their daddy died. And it wasn't as if that wasn't bad enough. They got a letter in the mail shortly thereafter that said uh, inviting her daughter to her daddy-daughter dance at their school. And it wrecked her. She was broken. A friend came over and put her arms around her. And she said, what am I going to do? I just want Dave here. And the friend very lovingly, very kindly said, 
That is not an option. Dave is not coming. And it seems like that's a horrible thing to say. Somebody's just lost, but it was the reality. Option A is not available, but there still is option B. And some of us, our emotions will tell us that option A is gone, so there is no other options. But Daniel here has gone through the most traumatic life experience he could possibly go through. And all of a sudden, here he is saying, I'm going to still pursue God. You see, too often when we get in a bad situation, we focus on the situation, not our Savior. We get into bad circumstances, we focus on the circumstances, not Christ. And it's time that we say, I'm going to have my eyes fixed on Jesus. You see, this morning, you get to decide. You get to decide what you're going to choose. You see, Daniel had a decision to make. They changed his name, but in verse number 8, he decided, I'm staying with Daniel. Today, we name our children Daniel. You did not name your child, or you have not met somebody whose name is Belteshazzar. I, I just, uh, unless you're looking for a baby name, that could be a baby name, but we've met Daniels. We've heard of Daniels. Matter of fact, this book is called the book of Daniel. It's not called the book of Belteshazzar. You say, why? Because Daniel said, guess what? I'm drawing a line and you can't cross it. After everything he's gone through, he's like, no, 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 I'm not changing. I'm keeping my focus. You say, what's the big deal about the name? The big deal was the fact that they were naming him after a pagan God. And he said, no, I'm not doing it. You said, Daniel, come on, man, just go with the flow. He's like, no, 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 option A is gone, option B is here, but I'm keeping my focus on God. And they didn't just stop with his name. Then in verse number 8, they said, hey, let's eat this food, this offer to the false gods. And he said, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. And I look at Daniel, and I'm thinking, where did Daniel get the resolute determination to stand up to this power that had taken out his family, that had taken out his home, that had done all these things to him? You see, this is where you and I, this is the secret you and I need to remember, is that God's power is always given to fulfill your purpose. That God's power is always given to fulfill your purpose. That you do not go through this life powerless. That if God is going to bring you to it, he's going to bring you through it. That if God has brought you to a situation, he will give you the strength to thrive in that situation. It's going to hurt. It's going to be difficult. And let me say this at the outset of this message. Many of us walked in with the problem, with an issue, with the heart, heart, heartache. And more than likely, we're going to walk out of it, of this room with that exact same problem. This morning, you may not see your problem fixed. But I'm hoping to fix your perspective. I'm hoping when you walk out of here, you have a different mindset based on your problem. I'm hoping that as you walk out, you say, you know what? I understand that even though I'm in the middle of something that's bad, even I'm in the middle of something that's difficult, I'm going to choose to follow God. I'm going to choose to look to God. And God's power is always given to fulfill your purpose. In verse number 17, the Bible says, As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding all visions. And then even King Nebuchadnezzar in verse 20 says, These men are ten times better than anybody else in the land. I don't know about you, but I love 10X. What if you were 10 times stronger, 10 times smarter, 10 times better at everything you did? You would get raises, you would get promotions. Some of you are like, man, I would love just 10X what's in my bank account. I'd go from a dollar to $10. Booyah, yes, you know? And you're excited about that. But here, God took these men and made them 10 times better because why? They said, I can't change my circumstances, but I'm gonna stay committed to my Christ. I'm not gonna abandon him. Sometimes... When we're going through a difficult situation and our emotions are saying, you know what? This God thing's not working out. Look what he did. You're going to let God do you like that? You're going to take that? Oh, you're still going to go to church after what he did to you this week? Oh, you're still going to serve him after what he did? 
Job is a character in the Bible. He said this. Job is the ultimate savage. See, God took his children, took everything from him, his wealth, his health, took it all from him. And his wife came to Job and said, Job, just curse God and die. Just, just end it. Just commit suicide. But Job said, even if God slays me, I'm not going to curse him. I'm not. You see, God's been too good to us. You say, man, it doesn't feel good right now. I know. But too often we let our emotions become the steering wheel to our lives. And some of us make very poor decisions based on how we feel. Some of you have a tattoo based on how you felt. And you're like, oh, man, I regret that. You know, you're trying to get her name, like, blocked out or something, you know. And there's some decisions you made. You bought a car or you bought some clothes or you maxed out the account. There's things we've done based on an emotion. I've gone to a grocery store, and I hate going to the grocery store hungry. Why? Because I just buy everything. I'm just like, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat it right now. And I'm that weird guy eating in the checkout line. And you're just like, man, can you not wait? No, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat now. Because why? I went and I'm living life based on emotion. And I meet too many people that claim the name of Jesus that live based on emotion and they make very poor decisions. They're just like, oh no, I gotta freak out. I gotta move here. I gotta do this. And I'm like, wait a minute, calm down. Hold on. Stay where God told you to be. Do not leave. Stay exactly where God told you to be. And until God tells you to go, until God tells you to change, until God tells you to move, you stay right there. You don't move. And too often we give in to our emotions. We don't understand that God's power is there. You see, you can't choose the situation, but you can choose the reaction. You get to choose how you respond to these events. Not only that, I want you to see that God's presence is greater than your problem. I mean, think about it. Come on. Why would Daniel stop and draw a line at food? After the kind of day he had, don't you think he deserved a beer and a steak? Like, come on. He's had a bad day. But instead of, instead of saying, you know what? Nobody's around. Mom, dad's around. I don't see any priests here. I'm just going to eat the food. He's like, no, he didn't. Because God does more through your conviction than through your compromise. You see, it was a compromise that got Daniel to where he was. There's an entire book of the Bible. It's called the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah's one job was to preach to the king of Jerusalem that he repent. Otherwise, God was going to use Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment. And that king did not listen to Jeremiah. And the kingdom continued to compromise, continued to worship false gods, continued to go down. And because of a kingdom's compromising, that's why Daniel's in this mess. But Daniel decided, guess what? My fathers and my grandfathers may have compromised. I'm not going to do it. I'm holding to my conviction. And that conviction helped him to keep going, helped him to stay. You know what? This is a tough, difficult situation, but I'm not going to give up. Not only that, sometimes you say, well, what about these obstacles? Look at these obstacles. This is so hard, so difficult. Why do we look at opportunities as something that are good and obstacles as something that are bad? Like, just think about it for a second. We believe that our God can do anything, right? Like, do you believe that? You believe that God can do anything? I do. You may not. I do. I believe that God can do anything. So why do we talk about opportunities and obstacles? Because to God, they both don't exist. Did you know that? Because if God can do anything, anything is an opportunity. And if God can do anything, then nothing is an obstacle. I I Write this down. This will help you this week. That when it comes to God, if God is on your side, their obstacles and opportunities are one and the same. They're the same thing. Because too often we look at our problem, we're praying, God, help me with my problem. God, help me with my problem. And God is saying, hey, how about you tell your problem how big I am? 
Stop talking to the problem and getting all frustrated and telling God about this problem. It's time to tell your problem how big your God is. It's stop getting all worked up, all emotional, all upset about this problem that God is saying, hey, it's not an opportunity and it's certainly not an obstacle. God is going to use Daniel in a powerful way. And you're going to see it over the next several weeks. We're going to look at the life of Daniel. Daniel's going to get promotion. He's going to be uh, uh, promoted to second in command. You're going to see that God uses Daniel in a profound way. Option B works out pretty good for Daniel. It works out pretty good. But some of us would never get to a pretty good option B because we're stuck in option A, that option A is gone. I say it like this. You can't love what is if you're wishing for what was. Some of you are so in love with the past that you can't even move into your future because you keep taking your past and bringing it into your future. And you'll do it with simple things. In your past, you used to be an addict, and now you call yourself, well, I'm an addict. Wait a minute. That's what you were. It's not what you are. You say, oh, it's semantics. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because you are three things. You see, many of us get confused how emotions work. You see, you have a mind, you have a brain, and then emotions. Your mind controls your brain. Your brain is a muscle, and your brain gives off chemicals and sends signals to your emotions. So the mind controls the brain, and the brain controls the emotions. You're like, I didn't know that's how it worked. That's exactly how it works. That's why we'll take drugs that'll affect the mind, that'll affect how we feel. But if you would learn that your mind is stronger than your brain, which is stronger than your emotions, you can see that actually you can control these things. You can tell yourself to feel different. You see, in this passage, they said, we're going to change your name, we're going to change your identity, and Daniel's like, no, it's not happening. Daniel said, my mind is going to control this. You see, some of us, we feel like the greatest decision we make is the decision to choose. But I'm here to tell you that the decision to choose to be happy is not a decision. It's an act of defiance. That's what it is. And some of you need an act of defiance in the midst of difficult circumstances where you say, you know what? This circumstance is terrible, but I choose to be joyful. I choose to be happy. My mind is going to tell my brain, and my brain is going to tell my body, and it's going to tell my emotions. This is how you're going to feel. This is it. I don't need the drugs to do this. Now, I know people are on medication. I'm not saying don't take medication. I'm just saying that's how it works. And so this morning, we could tap into that. You see, God's presence is greater than your problem. He's greater than it. And the Bible says that they wanted to give them new names. They wanted to change their identity. It says if they had a spiritual identity theft. Some of us have spiritual identity theft. Anybody ever have your identity stolen? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Nobody. Lucky you. Lucky you. That's great. When all the uh, credit card Equifax and all that got hacked, mine got hacked. And my wife, she called me up. She was so happy. She's like, good news, and I got bad news. I was like, well, give me the bad. She's like, well, you got hacked, but I didn't. I was like, what? Thanks. Thanks a lot. She's like, so we'll be filing our taxes and all that jointly. I was like, nope. No, we're not. No, we're not. So it's easy to look at our lives, and they wanted to change his identity, but Daniel said, no, we're not going to change my identity. You see, this is what I wrote down. They can call me what they want, but it doesn't change who I am. You see, you're going to go through life, and there are going to be people that they're going to label you. They're going to label you based on some things you may have done, based on what they perceive about you. Hey, there are some people, they're going to start calling you things based on their issues with themselves that they're going to project on you. You see, what do you mean they project on you? They have an anger issue, and they feel like you and them are similar, so they're going to assume you have an anger issue. They're projecting that onto you. And I used to get so upset when people would do that. I'd get so mad when people would say things about me. 
that I knew weren't true. I knew it was a lie. And then one day somebody came up to me. They said, why are you so bothered by that? I said, because it's not true. They shouldn't say it. They said, if it's not true, it shouldn't bother you. But because it bothers you, it makes it look like it's true. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So now when people say stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, that's nice. We all are entitled to our own opinion, and everybody's opinion is stupid but mine. You know, that's just how I go through life. You know, it's all good. So I didn't care. But what's funny is when you have that attitude, not like, hey, they're dumb, it doesn't matter. But when you have the attitude that, okay, that's how you feel, that's what you think, okay, I can't control that. I can't change it. But I'm going to continue to be me. I'm going to continue to be me. You see, it doesn't matter what you call me. It doesn't change who I am. The moment I started living that out, the people over here that used to call me stuff were like, well, well, man, he's, he's pretty confident. Maybe I was wrong. Dang straight, you were wrong. Yeah, you were wrong. You didn't even label me wrong. And just give it a matter of time, and they will see that, guess what? They messed up. They don't know who you really are. They don't know what God's put inside of you. You see, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Basically, in a word, that means you're awesome. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm awesome. I am awesome. I am awesome. That's right. The Bible goes on to say in Ephesians that you are a masterpiece. That means God handcrafted you. It means you're a work of art. It means you're special. You're unique. And so sometimes Satan will come, the enemy will come and say, hey, you're an addict. You're this. No, that may have been what I was, but it's not what I am. So Daniel, he is here. He's drawing the line. He's saying, guess what? No, I'm not these things. So they can call you what they want, but it doesn't change who you are this morning. So it's time to take some things back. Time to reclaim some things. In the same book I was reading by Sheryl Sandberg, she said the kids got down Settlers of Catan. They hadn't played it in a long time. Any Settlers of Catan fans in the house? I'm a big fan of it. I'm not very good, so I won't play with you because you probably beat me. But we would play it. And she said the kids got it down. They hadn't played it since their daddy died. And uh, the daughter grabbed the gray pieces. And the, the son said, no, those are daddy's pieces. And Cheryl said it was so hard, but we had to take those things back. We had to move on. We weren't just going to leave a spot there. He wanted us to move on in life and not live in the past. So she said, no, we take things back. So you go and you play gray. Daddy would want you to. You see, Daniel took back his name. They don't call him Belteshazzar. They called him Daniel. Daniel took some things back. There are some things you need to take back from the enemy that he said about you. You see, when you reclaim it, that's when you redeem it. You see, too often we just let the enemy take things from us. And it's time to go back and take back ground from the enemy that he's taken from us, that he's stolen. It's time to get those things back and not just give those up in defeat. But then lastly, notice this. God's plan is revealed in his presence. You say, man, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why this is happening to me. You see, Daniel is God's going to use Daniel to ultimately save a nation. And so God's working his plan. But Daniel didn't understand it in the moment. And you may not understand in the moment. But in chapter 2, we see Nebuchadnezzar dreams a dream. And in this dream, he wakes up and he gets all his astrologers, all his wise men together. and says, hey, I've dreamed a dream. Now tell me the interpretation. They said, sure, we'll tell you the interpretation. You tell us the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar, he stops and he's like, no, you tell me the dream. And the interpretation. Then I'll know it's really from heaven. And they were like, well, we can't do this. Nobody can do that. And he said, if nobody can do it, then you're all going to die. 
So they freaked out, and they went to Daniel's house. They're knocking on the door. They're like, Daniel, Daniel, you got to help us, man. The king's going to kill us unless we can tell the king what his dream is and the interpretation. Normally, we just make up an interpretation, but we got to know the dream and the interpretation. So Daniel said, let me get my friends. We're going to pray. And sometimes that's the best thing. You're in the middle of something, and you just want to react. Sometimes the best thing is to stop, drop, and pray. Sometimes we freak out. Oh, pastor, I need to meet with you. I need to meet with you. No, no, no. You need to go pray. You need to go hear from heaven. You need God's presence, God's presence in this. But God's plan was only revealed in his presence because as soon as Daniel prayed, in verse number 19, the Bible says, and he gave Daniel the interpretation. You see, in God's presence, he reveals his plan. Some of you are like, I want to know what God's saying. I want to know what God's doing. Get in God's presence. You say, well, how do I get more of God's presence? This is deep, y'all. This is deep. You want more of God's presence? Get more in his presence. You say, what do you mean? James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw near to you. You get as much of God as you want. God's always there. There used to be the uh, Tom Bodette of Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you, commercial. (laughs) You know, God always has the light on for you. No matter what time of day, no matter what time of night, God's always there. You don't have to cry yourself to sleep. You don't have to take that, drink that, do that to soothe your emotions. God is saying, I'm here. And all of your life, you're trying your own thing. Like, God, I don't understand. And God's like, I'll reveal it to you. But I only reveal things in my presence. But yet we run from God's presence. We don't draw close to him. We don't say, God, I need to get in your word because I haven't heard from you. God, I need to speak to you. We need to get in church. We need to get in our Bible. We need to get in prayer. And we need to get on our knees and say, God, I need to hear from heaven. Hey, there's nothing special about me, y'all. There's nothing special about me. I have the same God, the same Holy Spirit that you do. He'll speak to you just like he speaks to me. He, He doesn't whisper secrets to me that he wouldn't whisper to you. God will comfort you. He will help you. But you have to get in his presence. The psalmist David said this. He said, one day in your courts is better a thousand days anywhere else. He said, that's what, how good God's presence is. When you get in God's presence, you find how wonderful it is. Can we all stand as we close? We can stop looking at option A, wishing for it to come back. And we can start looking at option B and say, God, you've got something in this for me. And I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to find out. God, your presence is bigger than my problems. God, your plans are revealed in your presence. So I'm going to get alone with you, God. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to find out what you want. Because I want to get everything out of option B that's possible. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, it's a brief time. There's not much to go through. But God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would help us. God, we need your spirit to fall on us. There's so